Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Now I'm gonna take a liberty here and say that we should be praying not only for our speech, but we should also be praying for our fingers before we send that text message or make that post. Because here's the deal. Every time that we come across as legalistic or hurtful or on the other hand, too tolerant, you are not only hurting yourself, but you are hurting the image of the gospel. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Today we will be studying from the book of Colossians in the New Testament. And while we call it a book, it was really a letter originally written to people in a city called Colossae by the Apostle Paul. The reason Paul wrote this letter is because the members of this church were new to the Christian faith and they had many questions. They wanted to know what the gospel was, what they should do with old traditions from their community and faith, and how this newfound faith should impact their lives. The same thing this letter did for those so many years ago, it will do for us today. It will inform us, challenge us, and guide us towards what the gospel really is and how it can impact our lives. Please enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Hey, uh, as Phil said, my name is Juan. I have the pleasure of being the student pastor here at Valley View. Um, Usually, I get to be upstairs with all of your teenagers, um, which is so much fun. But every once in a blue moon, I get invited to share um, and be in service with you guys and to share a word with you, and I am excited about that. Um, Is anybody particularly good at movie quotes? Like, if I put a movie quote on the screen, you'd know what movie it's from? Yeah, a couple of you. Okay, so um, this quote and pictures, anybody know what movie this is from? You know it? Coach Carter, that is correct. So Coach Carter is one of my favorite sports movies ever, and the quote says this, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. And I love this movie because this movie deals with with Coach Vince Carter, and he is a very successful basketball player and coach, and he decides to take this job coaching at an inner city uh, school where these young men, first of all, the, the, the team is god-awful, they can't win a game, and also they are just constantly falling into the wrong things. So all of these men are one step away from ending up in jail, from ending up in gangs, and from ending up doing nothing with their lives. So Vince Carter comes in with a story that he wants to share. He comes in with an ideal that he wants to share with these men. And he does that through different ways. He teaches them to respect themselves. He forces them that they have to wear a suit and tie on game days. Um, And he also teaches them to respect one another. And they have to address each other as sir, not by the racial slurs that they use throughout the movie. and I love this movie and, and, this, and this scene right here because he is imparting in them a story, a story that is time sensitive because if these young men don't turn their lives around, bad things are going to happen. Now, here's my Jesus juke for you this morning. You know who else had a story that we should be sharing? Jesus, Colossians 4, open your Bibles, here we go. Um, So we will be in Colossians 4, and we've been doing a study through Colossians the past couple weeks, and last week we looked at chapter 3 of Colossians, and in that chapter we saw what what Paul had to say about how the gospel should be affecting our households. 
Now this week we're gonna be looking at chapter four and we're gonna be talking about what does it look like to share the gospel. According to Colossians, what should, we do, what should we be doing to share the gospel? Paul has a few things to share in this letter and when I say the gospel, I'm talking about the story, the most important story as a Christian than you can know in your heart. And when I say the gospel, I'm talking about the full gospel. I'm not talking about the watered down gospel where everything is rainbows and butterflies. I'm talking about the full gospel with all the hard parts in it too. Because the full gospel is that you and I are deserving of nothing. That you and I are deserving of death and eternal separation from God. However, the beauty of the gospel is that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus down on earth to die for you and for me and for that neighbor that you can't stand and for that coworker that drives you crazy because he loves them and because he wants nothing more than a relationship with them. And there are people outside of these four walls and maybe in this room or tuning in online that don't know that, that don't know that there is a God out there that loves them so, so, so much. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today is how do we do that, how do we share the gospel? And Paul spent some time in chapter four um, talking about also the other people that have been helping to share the gospel in this area. So today I wanna look at three ways that you and I should be sharing the gospel according to Colossians 4. The The first way we need to do it is in order to share the gospel, you and I have to be deeply in prayer. In order to share the gospel, we have to be praying. Now, I'm gonna steal an illustration from one of my small group leaders here. How many of you guys have kids or have been a kid? Every hand should be up in this room. Yes, all of you have been children. Um, So typically, whenever you have kids and you take your kids shopping with you, or maybe when you were a kid and you'd go shopping to the store, there is a particular aisle that you avoid like the plague, right? It's the toy aisle. You don't go in it, you don't go close to it because you know that if your kid sees the toy that they want, they are going to be just down your throat about buying them that toy. Like, mom, please, 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 let me buy this toy. Let me get this toy, let me get this toy, mom, mom, mom. And then you say no, so then they go ask dad because dad's a softy. And then they're like, dad, please, let me buy this toy. Let me, let me, let me get this. And you get to line and you forgot the milk, so you leave and then when you come back, the toy's in the cart because the kids don't give up on what they want. They are, they are insistent on what they want. And that is the same way that you and I should be approaching our prayer life when it comes to sharing the gospel, especially when it comes to sharing the gospel. We have to be relentless in our asking. Take a look at what verses two and three say. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Now there's a few things in these verses that I want us to look at. Number one, the word steadfast, meaning that it needs to be continuous. It needs to be something that we are continuously doing. And Paul is also asking the believers to be praying for him as he is doing the work of the gospel. So how does this apply to you and me today in this day and age? Well, first things first, you need to be praying for people that are out there sharing the gospel. Pray for your pastors. Pray for friends that you may know that are, that are working in ministry. Pray for missionaries that you may be supporting. Pray for friends that you know that are, that are trying to share the gospel in their, in their workspaces, in their families, with their neighbors. We need to be in constant prayer of people that we know that are working for the gospel. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. 
You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. The second thing we need to be doing is we need to be praying for God to give us a moment to share the gospel, to open that door to share the gospel. Now, here's the thing. This is a dangerous prayer, if I'm being quite honest. Because chances are God may very well give you what you're asking for and open that door to that conversation with that person. And though it is a dangerous prayer, it's a good thing, but it can place us often in a scary and uncomfortable situation and a stretching situation. And the other thing we should be praying for is that we should be praying that God tames our tongues. James 3.6 says this, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Let me repeat that last part for you if you missed it. Set on fire by hell. That's what the Bible has to say about yours and my speech and about our tongue, because it is so important that we watch our actions and the things that we say, and some of you know where I'm going with this. Some of you, some of us need to pray this prayer, and I know this because I'm friends with you on Facebook and I see what you post. Now I'm gonna take a liberty here and say that we should be praying not only for our speech, but we should also be praying for our fingers before we send that text message or make that post. Because here's the deal. Every time that we come across as legalistic or hurtful, or on the other hand, too tolerant, you are not only hurting yourself, but you are hurting the image of the gospel. As believers, it should be of utmost importance for us to be seeking a balance between truth and grace. Always, always seeking the balance between truth and grace. And this leads us to our second point today, which is this. We must be wise with our speech and our actions. I found this quote by, by Publius Figulus. I probably butchered that, but here's what he says. I have often regretted my speech, never my silence. I've often regretted my speech, never my silence. My point is that a lot of times, especially if you're a quick-witted person, much like I am, we need to examine our speech before we go popping off on somebody just because we want to get the word in, just because we want to prove to them how wrong they are. Look at what verses five and six say. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Starting in verse five, I wanna share with you two quick stories. In verse five, Paul is telling us that we must be wise in how we act and talk around people, especially in moments when you and I are surrounded by people that may not believe the same things that we do. I heard a story about a gentleman that was working in a corporate setting and he worked in cubicles. And if you've never worked in a cubicle before, it's a really small space, it's like an office, but you have these like half walls uh, every conversation is overheard. You have no personal space, so it's really an open area. 
And for a year and a half, this lady sat next to him in the cubicle next to him, and she heard him every day talking to his wife. I don't know if he called her during, during her lunch break or during his lunch break or what was going on, but every day he talked to his wife on the phone. And after a year, she started to wonder, who was this man and why did he speak to his wife this way? Her husband didn't talk to her like that. This man was so positive and loving and encouraging that finally she had to figure out what was different about this guy. So after a year and a half, she, she talked to him and through conversations, she came to find out that this man was a believer and that he was a Christian. And he was able to tell her that the reason he treats his wife this way is because of the calling that Jesus has put on the heart of men and on the heart of how men should be treating their wives. And later on down the road, he was able to introduce this lady to God and to his church. Now I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that this wouldn't have been possible if he wasn't walking in wisdom and watching his words when he was speaking. Verse six tells us that this advice and tells us that we need to be gracious in our speech and seasoned with salt. There were two pastors and they were walking around the neighborhood by their church and they were knocking on doors and they were meeting people and they were praying with people and they were just introducing themselves and they came across this house with a man and a woman in it and they got to know them a little bit and realized that this couple was struggling so they left the house grabbed a bunch of groceries and showed up back at the house and gave them the groceries. And at that moment, they got invited into the house, which is awesome. You know, as a pastor, you get invited in the house. They start having a conversation with this couple. And then the, the lady decides that she's, you know, she, she kind of, uh, you know, probes them and tells them like, hey, I'm open to hearing the gospel. And they start sharing with her the gospel and the, and the wonders of God and how much God loves them and everything. And they get so excited about talking about the gospel that in the process of sharing it, they start to reference the sin in the situation. You see, this couple wasn't married. They were living together. And in the process of sharing the gospel, they start talking to them about the fact that living together is a sin and that they're living in sin. Do you see the friction there? Do you see the issues because when that pastor, they asked him later, you know, what, what, did he, what did he think was going on there and in this scenario, when asked about this instant, he even said that he regretted diving into it so fast. He sees that the right way would have been to introduce this couple to Jesus and then let the conviction come later. Not right off the bat. He was just passionate in the moment about sharing the gospel. And here's the thing, here, don't hear me wrong. Passion is not the problem. Being passionate about something that you believe in and you, have, and you have a heart on fire for is not the issue. I hope that you are passionate about sharing the gospel. But here's the issue. When we start valuing our, our needs to be right and our needs to be, to be not the wrong person over the feelings of the person that we are ministering to, you've missed it. You've missed it at that moment. When you're valuing being right over loving your neighbor, you've missed it. That is where the gospel suffers. So you and I must audit our words. We have to look deeply into our words and wonder where are they coming from? Are your words and my words, are they, are they coming from God? Or are we doing it because we wanna look good? Are we saying these things just because we wanna prove somebody wrong and we wanna be right? Because we wanna get the last word in that argument so we can show them? Where are they coming from? Because as Christians, our words on our actions are extremely, extremely important to the gospel because they will either aid or they will hurt your testimony. We have to earn the right to be heard by outsiders, as Paul calls them. 
And it's hard to earn this right when you are busy beating people over the head with legalism and with the Bible about the things that they're doing wrong and our strong opinions. To earn that time, we also must be willing to give our time. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designated gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 1030 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. We must be willing to give our time and our resources, which leads me to the third point, which is this. We must be willing to give in order to spread the gospel. In verse 15, we encounter somebody that gave a lot. Verse 15 says this. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. So Nympha had a house church. But some things to know about her. First off, in the early, um, in the early times when the Bible was written, uh, people actually believed that Nympha was a man because, again, don't forget, back then it was a very male-driven culture. So the idea that a woman could be running a successful ho- home church was impossible to believe. There's no way a woman could do anything of worth back then, according to these people. However, as more resources have come out and more details have come out, we have come to the conclusion that in the original text, the verbiage was her. So she, in fact, was a woman. And the phrase, a church that meets in the house, in her house, it's only found in two other areas in the New Testament. And that is in Romans 1, when it's talking about Aquila and Priscilla, and in Philemon, when we're talking about Philemon. We can assume that Nympha was instrumental to the gospel spreading in Laodicea. And a house church leader might have also been very wealthy, so we can go ahead and assume that she was wealthy as well. And they would have different roles. They would host meetings, they would read letters, they would welcome missionaries and even house them when they were visiting. So there's good sense to believe that she ran this whole ordeal. People didn't just use her house, she was in charge of this house church. And she ran the whole thing So what does this mean to you and I? Well, I'm gonna answer this question with another question to you. How is your relationship with your neighbor? With your physical neighbors, with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers? Because ministry and gospel spreading happen outside of these four walls. It It doesn't always happen in this room, but it definitely always happens out there. As we previously discussed, if we are trying to lead somebody to a meaningful relationship with Christ, then we must have a meaningful relationship with them first. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by giving of our time and our resources, whether that's our houses, our finances, our connections. And there are several examples in the scriptures of people that gave 
from what they had to further the gospel. If we look at Barnabas in Acts 4, he goes out and sells one of his fields in order to give that money to the apostles. We look at, we look at Dorcas in Acts 9. She was constantly helping the charities of the area. Cornelius, he was a centurion, always gave money to the poor. And then you got Lydia, who invited Paul to stay at her place when he was traveling, and Jason, who houses Paul and Silas, and even ends up paying a hefty fee for housing them. Every single one of these people gave something, their money, their comfort, their time, in order to continue moving the gospel forward. And this should be an encouragement to us all to see, you know, what are we doing with the things that God has blessed us with? Because God has given you and I resources, big and small, so that we can use them in ways to bless others. A few years ago, I had a chance to get my dream vehicle, uh, a Toyota Tacoma. And I remember I had, I had been wanting one for so long, and that's all I wanted was a truck. I drove a tiny little hatchback before that. And, and I remember I was talking to Elkie about it, and I finally gave her enough foot rubs for her to say yes to letting me buy one. And so she said, okay, we can go look at one. So we found the salesman, we found the dealership, we found the truck that we wanted to get, and we were on our way to the dealership to look at it. And I remember sitting in the, in the, in the car, and I'm praying to God, and I say, God, if you let the numbers work out, if you let Elkie say yes to this, I will use this truck to bless people. And God heard my prayer because I went ahead, we bought the truck, and if there is a for sure thing that happens the moment you buy a truck is that everybody you know is suddenly moving houses and they need you and they need your truck. Every single time without fail. The moment you buy a truck, all your friends need to use it. So we did it. We helped people move back and forth. We moved appliances. We moved um, landscaping, trimmings. We moved everything. And the beautiful part was the time I got to spend in the cab of my truck with those people as I was driving back and forth. I got to share with them about just really cool things that God was doing in my life. And there was this guy from my gym that needed help moving some furniture. And so he told me, yeah, Saturday morning, 7 a.m., I gotta be out of there. So Saturday morning, I skipped my 100-mile run that I do every Saturday morning. And, uh, and I went ahead and showed up at my buddy's house, and we, and we loaded up the washer and the dryer and all the other things, and we got in the truck and we started heading down the road. Um, and while we were driving, he noticed one of my tattoos. Yes, tattoos can lead people to Christ, believe it or not. Um, and he looked at it and he said, what, what does that mean? What is that? And I got to explain to him what my tattoo meant. I had a great conversation with him about the gospel and my passion for student ministry and my passion for the really, really awesome things that God is doing in my life. And I got to overhear some of the stuff that was going on with him. Later on, I come to find out that um, he actually, after that Saturday, a couple weeks later, he started checking out some churches in the area, and he started kind of diving into who this God person was. Now, giving of yourself is a great way to partner with God in the furthering of a ministry that he's already doing in your area. And if you're wondering, oh, man, Juan, I don't know what to do, thank you for asking. Here's some answers for you. First things you can do is, man, you could ask about hosting a small group here at the church. You could volunteer your time in a ministry here at the church because we all know that we always need more volunteers. You could ask about cooking a meal for a ministry here at the church. You can leaf blow your neighbor's lawn. By the way, I need my leaves blown, so if you got one, come on over. Um, and then you can invite them for dinner after that. You can go serve in the community around you. There are so many ways that you and I can use our time, our money, and our resources to love the people around us. And when we give, in whatever form that may be, we represent Christ well and people will notice. 
and people will want to know what is, what, what is different about this person because this isn't how the world lives. This is weird. This is offensive. This is uncomfortable. So there is a difference when somebody lives like this and people will notice. This opens the doors for us to have these hard conversations that we need to be willing to have. Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is your job as a believer, right here. This is your main priority as a believer. And it is our job to share the news of the gospel with every person that we come in contact with. And I know you have other jobs, and I know you're busy, and I know your schedule is crazy, but this is priority number one because it is time sensitive, because there are people out there that are walking through life not knowing that there is more to life. They don't know that there is more to life than their alcohol addiction. They don't know that there is more to life than, than the problems that they're having at home. They don't know that there's more to life than the mental battles they're facing. They don't know that there is a God out there that loves them so much and wants nothing more than to have a relationship with them. And if you don't tell them, who else? To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.